Yo, what's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Downtime with Downstar, episode 211, and today we are here with Ravi Tomerlin of We Don't Lift Racing. Is it We Don't Lift Racing or We Don't Lift? It's technically WDL Racing LLC. Oh, but shoot. We, yeah, so, yeah. We're going to get technical those, with it. Yeah, we got to get technical because uh, we are actually a conglomerate. So there are there are more portions of us than just simple. But yeah, the actual business is WDL Racing LLC. We, everybody knows us by We Don't Lift because that's the, the safety gear portion of it, the major the major side of it. Got you, bro. Hey, thank you for your time, man. I appreciate yeah, it. Definitely. Thanks for getting us on here with it, man. I know for a while we've had a lot of people say, hey, talk, get on the Frank, get on with Frank. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, dude. I we've been getting a lot of requests and finally happened um you know rc he's uh he's working with us now and um he's been ha wanting me to have you on the show for a while and he speaks very highly of you man well as you are very well aware rc is definitely you know i would say top three fucking honda guys in in america i, don't, I was gonna say top five percent like nah it's it's narrower than that RC yeah is the, rc is the man when it comes to building a amazing build quality level uh honda and i i was really uh, fortunate enough to obviously as you probably know uh, work with rc for about a year um worked with him over at the garage before uh, before he started changing doing other stuff in his life but um it's a really good time it's a good time to know and i've known him for about 15 or 16 years i want to say roughly and we used to actually butt heads pretty badly but um through a couple of years we actually started becoming friends and really respecting what each other did because we we're very opposite polar yeah. eye spectrum like he does art, in my opinion. He does yes. amazing artwork. Where I'm the opposite. I'm all about uh, function. Everything's function, function, function. Very little form, as I've been known for. Uh, you know, function's always trumping form on my end. But and we try to, you know, as I've gotten a little further into this whole thing, we try to bring a little more form into it. Yeah. Now, working with uh, with RC at the shop, did um, did you start to understand the, the form a little more? It wasn't so much that I understand it. Well, understanding it was more of an appreciation for it, um, because most of the time, as I'm sure you're aware, you go to like places like Hot Import Nights and a lot of those shows, and you're like, crap, crap, crap. You know, it just like the standards have dropped so much some since like, you know, I would say probably the late 2000s, early 2010s. You know, this I felt that was like the epitome of high standard builds. Um, you know, people were putting big dollars and big money into it and and really like perfecting their art versus, you know, I'm sure these days it's a little, le little less of that. Let's just put it that way. I don't feel that folks are doing it as much. And for me, it was people weren't weren't setting the bar high anymore. So RC for me elevated that bar so high. I mean, how many how many week fests did a row did that boy win? It was like four or All five. All of them wasn't probably. It? <laughs> I think everything but Japan. He yeah. couldn't go to Japan, but like everyone he attended, like with Jay's car or Mike's car, and you know, and there was there was nothing. I still to this day cannot think of a single car that I find as an outsider, as a third party find comparable to either of those two builds let alone all the other builds he's done in his life you know yeah no so, definitely yeah, for me yeah working at rc's for me was just showing me what level of perfection can be attained in an imported business very similar to like the hot rod industry the hot rod industry is notorious for having just flawless cars you know and that had never really hit the import world until rc came on the scene you know yeah no definitely so it seems like there's a couple different golden eras it was about maybe the late 90s early 2000s and then it does seem around that time, like you were saying, maybe 2008 to 2010, 11, around that kind of window right there that the, the community was just on fire and everybody was just pushing to go further and further. Right. And then I don't know what happened, dude. What do you think it was that, that changed the temperature? Oh, man. You know, that's a that's a that's a loaded question. I, I would say there's there's a definitely a lot of things. I mean, I, I could probably like you. I remember like waiting for Super Street to come out. Like, 
like literally waiting for that print to come out and how getting into print for instance was a mile marker and it was a big achievement and a lot of people were working towards that and the standards were so high but if you want to be like real about it i, I think the freaking internet killed it like yeah. let's be honest like as soon as we went away from forums uh, and uh and, and went to the more open open public format that facebook offers and instagram offers since now everybody's an Instagram hero, you know, and you can literally, like, all the filters and all the editing and all this crap, like, you can take the piles of junk and flaunt it as, as your as your project car, and I just don't think the, the pride is there anymore. And, you know, don't get me wrong, everybody should have the right to do whatever the heck they want and enjoy it in every way they want, and you shouldn't build a car to impress anyone else, but there's a certain point where I feel there's a line drawn where quality is dropping you know what i mean where it's yeah. not just it's your build it's like no you're just pumping out crap you know and you expect us to appreciate it because you appreciate it i, I know it's a fine line it's a tough spot you know as, as an enthusiast i like to let everybody do what they want to do and respect what they do and i think the big piece for me is just understanding that just because i'm going to respect you as a person for what you're doing doesn't mean i'm going to give a crap about your car and appreciate what you have or have not done to it, you know, and that's okay. That's what people have to understand. It's okay if somebody doesn't like your stuff. That's, yeah. but I really think all of that came up, came through the internet, just completely revolutionizing how we are able to um, show what we're doing, show our hobbies, show our uh, our uh, our interests, you know. And so it's not just automotive. That's that's across the board, you know. Like everybody's an Instagram model now that wasn't a thing 15 years ago you know yeah so I think the I think the internet really has changed the landscape it's moved it away from things like print because you couldn't get into super street with a, a shitbox like you can't do it like their standards as a magazine or like Sport or any of those companies option they had a certain standard a certain style they were looking for that they wanted to promote um, and, and you know losing l losing our print magazines one by one you know I think what D sports the only one left it's so D Sport, and then there's still S three magazine. That's right, S three still out. Yeah, so uh, yeah, you know, losing it. I, when Super Street announced their closure, I was like, holy moly! And you know, I was fortunate enough to jump in a couple of issues of magazines, but then they all closed the next year, and I was like, man, that was a lifelong dream, and now that's just gone for a lot of people. So there's no longer a high bar anymore mm. to develop the kind of cars that RCs does. I mean, like literally, people like RC changed the culture based on people wanted to beat him yeah they wanted to build a better product than him he was the golden standard um and that happens across the board it's not just um um show cars like like rc's building we're talking about race cars it, the same thing happens in race cars i mean granted it's more of a money issue for most race cars and to build a race car like uh like for instance like life motorsports has their gtr out there i i can't even begin to imagine how much money is behind that program it's an amazing program the car is incredible it could run lap times faster than thousand cc bikes around Coda. That's insane, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah, that's absolutely insane. But you know, there's a little bit different barrier of entry and mentality. But it definitely crosses from from discipline to discipline. I'd say with automotive stuff. Yeah, definitely. You know, I I think the internet, um, you know, gaining popularity as far as you know, uh, social media wise and older people older generations uh accepting the internet which they really didn't that much before you know from like 2000 to 2010 i could never see my my dad sending an email you know but it was always <laughs> <No>. like w <laughs> when when the social media started popping up you know is like the facebook and then instagram and i could remember when instagram came along it was like wow this is 
this is a little different man you you get you get like a, a weird feeling when you start getting these likes and these comments and i think oh, that, it's euphoric for a lot of people man yeah i think all of us we've been going through yeah the euphoric feeling for the last whatever eight ten years and i think that right now at least how i kind of see it it's starting to wear off and we're trying we're looking back and and looking at this uh this last few years and thinking like man i don't know if this was the right decision we should have made i don't know if this is the right values that we should be holding people up to i don't know if everybody should be getting a, a trophy or be getting recognition right. for something that they're doing that you know you could tell is is not that good but it just right. looks good in pictures like the the i feel like the veil is getting lifted off yeah, the all-inclusive mentality is definitely an interesting one that, again, has generated over the last 15 years or so. And the all-inclusiveness is great in some manners, obviously, because every, every, nothing's black and white in life. You know, nothing is. Like, obviously, with all the politics that are going around in America right now regarding, um, you know, all the, all the racial issues, and there's so much going on. And, yeah, there are definitely instances where we need to be all-inclusive, man. It shouldn't matter who you are, you know, where you're from, what creed you are. You know, you should, we should, as a human, as, as, as humans, we should accept that, like, unconditionally. You're a human. I'm a human. I have no reason to hate you. And, you, you know, there's really no time for that these days, you know. Mm -hmm. But on the, on the converse things of it, I think by doing the all-inclusive with things like competition, for instance. Competition, it's competition for a reason. You know, it's, it's not sacred or anything. It's not held sacred, but it's, it's definitely... It's definitely a, a way to measure. That's yeah. literally what the competitions are for, is a way to measure something. But if, you, if your measurement standard starts to drop and then your, <laughs> your trophy levels go up and all that kind of thing, or everybody gets a trophy, uh, then what's the, what's the value in winning now? Yeah. yeah. What's, the, what's the value in the competition? It, it, seems to, um, it seems to deflate it or dilute it at least, you know? Uh, and that I think uh, I think that's happened um, across quite a bit of the car industry. Uh, I mean, one of the, I don't like to pick on. I love the drift industry, but that's one of the hardest hit ones by low standards. You know, like everybody's got a drift missile, and I always point out, is that your only car? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, it's not. That's just your that's your daily, dude. Hmm. <laughs> you know, think about it that way. Like a, a drift missile came around. A drift missile that term literally came around from just uh, having a second car that you didn't care about. You had your nice drift car over here and you had your drift missile that you went and thrashed and beat on real hard and you had, you had your nice drift car over here. But that's not that, that term is being used completely differently now. It's being used as, I built a piece of crap. I'm going to do whatever I want with it. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, do you, think weird to me. do you think too many people are getting into the, the community that don't understand the, the sacredness of it and then the foundation that was set yeah. by people before us? That's a great, that's a, I never actually quite thought of it that way. And that's a great way to look at it to agree. And I think, and I get everybody, I want, every, this thing, automotive should be inclusive. We should bring as many people in as possible. But, and change is sometimes good. Like, you know, like let's, let's go back to like late 90s, early 2000s. Man, I don't like body kits, man. I don't like those Bomex and Wing West stuff. That's not for me. Yeah. If I see one on the road, I don't really care. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't hurt anything, you know, but. As change can happen, we went to like that OEM, like JDM phase, you know, and that's still pretty popular. And I personally love it. Does that mean everybody has to love it? No, not at all. Hundred percent. I guess it's it gets a little weird though when places that um, that used to, I don't know, focus on one of one aspect or another or something, and then when they change and then it kind of takes takes one group and makes them an outcast. I think that's when you have to start having problems like. Uh, I remember a long time ago, I went to a hot import nights and I brought, and this was when body kits were actually still popular. I had my 
Mugen Integra. It was all Mugen body parts on it, painted beautifully, turbocharged, full race, turbo kit, kind of sleeperish on the outside, racing stance, because I used it for track days, so it, was, you know, it wasn't slammed or anything like that. And I remember losing a competition to the most riced out eclipse I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And, you know, and it was hot in four nights. And I, that's what happens there. That, that's that kind of car is more popular. It had big speakers and all that. And so it doesn't necessarily mean my build is crap or that their build was the best. It just means that I was in the wrong space for what I was doing. All right, guys, we got to take a quick break for our sponsor, Heel Toe Auto. An important part in buying Honda parts online is making sure that you can trust the company that you're dealing with to get you the right parts reliably. You spend a lot of money and a lot of time researching your build. The last thing that you want to do is send cash to a website where you may never see it again or worse yet, never see the parts. With Heel Toe Automotive, an 18 year history and track record is part of the deal. Heel Toe brings you deep industry connections, professional part recommendations, alternative ideas when your parts aren't available and they'll even contact you when the stuff doesn't look right before they ship it that's a huge one guys that happens a lot and you get the parts you're ready to get them installed and you can take the day off even I've had that happen before and you go to install the parts and you're just like yo this doesn't fit that usually happens at AutoZone but it doesn't happen at Hilltoe because uh, if the order doesn't look right, they'll say, hey, Frank, you ordered the wrong stuff. And with Hilltoe's unique checkout, it allows you to select a deadline to receive your parts to make sure that you can get them on time for your project plans. So before you take that day off, make sure you enter it in Hilltoe and let them know, hey, I'm gonna be off December 12th, I need the parts this day, and they'll make it happen. You can buy parts anywhere online, but Hilltoe knows what truly matters to an enthusiast, professionalism, swiftness, and accuracy. Hilltoe is in your corner visit hilltoe at hilltoeauto.com or you can call them or text them at 949-295-1668 guys hilltoe has been the number one supporter of downtime with downstar so please text them right now and tell them thank you for supporting us 949-295-1668 or you can shoot them a dm on instagram at hilltoe automotive now back to the show you know? yeah definitely and and the shows that you're going to the, the judge that's actually judging it, that's the guy whose opinion matters at right. that time. That's his exactly. job. That's what he's doing. He's picking the car to win. So that that's one thing that's always bugged me as well. It's like, you know, I spent so much time building this car, and now I'm leaving it up to this guy. Like, what is what has this guy done to be able to even right. even look at my build and tell me what I did right or tell me what I what I even did at all? Can you tell me? what I did to this. And I've seen that happen so many sure. times at shows. And I've even been like, Hey man, can you just go judge this real quick? Just cause I know the owners of the show. And I'm like, yeah, I can. But like, I wasn't set up for this. I wasn't prepared for this. I wasn't, I haven't been looking around. I'm not ready for this right now. Right. And the people that have been working on their cars for the whole summer, it, it doesn't feel right that I'm just going to go to them and me. Cause I have a, a certain car that I'd, that I like a certain style. So if it's not that style, I'm not right, going to pick exactly. it. Exactly. Like I'm a poor judge to go judge at Honda Port Knights because they're all going to get freaking ones and twos. <laughs> no one's yeah. getting tens. That's not because they're poor quality though, technically, you know, like that. Yeah. They're poor quality in my eyes because I don't like that style. Yeah. But it, it could still be executed perfectly. And that's like whenever I go to car shoes, I try to keep an open mind and look for execution as opposed to style. Yeah. Style subjective, execution's less subjective. Definitely. You no, know, you can tell when paint's done properly and versus when it's not. You can tell when body kits are installed with 
little fucking rivets or if they're molded properly or if they have at least rib nuts and nice hardware holding it in. You know, like there's a huge difference in that. And even though I don't necessarily like the car visually, it doesn't appeal to me. I can appreciate the hard work that went into it and the detail level. And that's what I like about the show car world. And that's what I, I always encourage my friends who are, you know, maybe getting a little too hard on someone's car. I'm like, well, look at it closer. Look at how they actually did it. Even though you don't like it, just make sure you actually look at it. Yeah. And give it a fair chance to not necessarily appeal to your style, but appeal to your appreciation of what the build was like, you know? Yeah, I, I think definitely the, the competition aspect in our community has has disappeared, man. There yeah. hasn't been any shows or any events that I thought that, yo, this is one that I want to go to. I want to build a car for this. Even it's, SEMA, man. Shit. Yeah. You know, yeah, SEMA's definitely like- SEMA. I'm sure you've been on those Facebook groups that are just showing off all the SEMA fails and they're just like Wi-Fi drive shafts and all this crap, you know? Yeah, and then you'll see uh, guys that go to SEMA, like Rywire, you know, when Rywire went out there with the Integra and he, and he set the bar, you know, higher than most can even see. After that, everybody's goals, yeah, I'm going to go to SEMA. did he SEMA. take a Porsche out? No, Hogner took a Porsche out, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Oh, that one was I sick, too. Dope. Yeah, but it's like... Then everybody, yeah, I want to see him build. I want to see him build. I'm like, bro, do you even realize what Ryan did to this car? Like, I can't even yep. comprehend building a car to that level to take it to SEMA. Oh, yeah. But that's no, just I, everybody. I want to go to SEMA. I don't want to go to SEMA. And it kind of takes away from, you know, even the meaning of SEMA. Even having a car at SEMA, now it doesn't have the same stigma as it did in the past. Kind of like the whole Super Street, like, you know, how we get into Super Street. That, that, that it's not longer a thing because you don't necessarily need super street anymore. Cause you just post it online and get a billion freaking shares or whatever. You know, like it's, it's tough. I, I don't want to feel sour towards the change in the, in the community at all. I mean, I, I, like I said, I definitely, I still appreciate, I still love the community. I mean, I'm, I'm, I deal with quite a bit of modern cars now. Like a lot of, a lot of our customers are actually the newer Subaru customers over here, gotcha. as opposed to Honda's, which you'd never believe Honda shop doing mostly Subarus now. Yeah. More consistent income. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, and, and most of the modern Subarus are uh, are going to be um, more of a uh, a. Uh, sorry, I got somebody at the door. No there. worries. <laughs> most of the modern Subarus are more of a uh, more stance builds. They're definitely more aesthetic type builds than they are um, performance builds. Um, you know, issues with the power plant, all that good stuff. But I can definitely appreciate where they're able to go with um, just aesthetics alone there's some really freaking cool 15 plus Subarus out there they look awesome yeah they're not they're not fast but they look awesome <laughs> yeah yeah dude uh I'm, I'm optimistic though about the future especially after this year you know after 2020 everybody's just pretty much been shit on and it just makes us yeah. appreciate yeah. what we had yeah. before so i think e- events and shows and things like that are oh, gonna yeah. be so much more popping next year I think I've actually spent more time going to local little shows. I mean, I, I work freaking six to seven days a week here, so I see cars and deal with cars all day, every day. So I usually don't go to many car shows anymore at all, any type. But I'd say this year I've gone to quite a few more of the small, just local meetups and just checked out and talked to locals more than ever have in the past just because we haven't had shit to do in months. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. So tell me about the shop, bro. How's everything been uh, since, since COVID's been shut down? Oh, two seconds, brother. Uh, no, I no think worries. I put it in the toolbox for the asylum. Yeah, yeah, it's in the toolbox. Okay, and he's good to go. Um, since the shutdown, in terms of shop, you said. I'm yeah, sorry. Uh, the shop. Yeah. So the shop, you know, a lot of guys in the auto industry, and you may even reflect on this yourself, is uh, it's been actually way busier than before. 
Yeah. Uh, we are we are up like our retail slipped a bit, but our our service side, our labor side, went up like ninety to a hundred percent. Like wow. it went through the roof. We actually are more profitable now than we were prior to COVID. Congrats, dude. <laughs> Don't know, man. Just freaking happened. And uh, retail's still coming back. Like the last month's been okay just because we've started doing track days again, which my main retail is performance parts and mm. track setup and all that. So like, I just had somebody banging on the door trying to get them. Like, go out back. Go <laughs> uh, talk to the guy in the back. But um, yeah, so that, that's been a big change. We've been able to expand quite a bit. We actually um, changed our business structure from a, a you know a private uh, sole prop to a corporation. We're actually multi partner owned now and getting a little bit bigger. And Sick. we doubled our floor space. You know, we're up to a six thousand square foot building instead of uh, we started. Believe it or not, a year and three months ago, I was in a six hundred square foot building hustling. You know, it was just me yeah. and uh, me and the co-owner. We had, we shared a desk. We shared a desk in a little 10, 10 foot by 10 foot room, and then we had another 500 square foot of shop space out back. Yeah. And we hustled our way through a year and a half of that, and then we just ran out of space, man. I couldn't store anything in this place anymore. So we got into where we're at now, which was initially 2,000. Now we're up to 6,000, and we're already planning an exit from here in a couple of years. Wow, dude. Congratulations, yeah, bro. So, I mean, our... our Fingers crossed, maybe a million this year, maybe. I love it, man. Yeah, so that's uh, that's uh, up almost 200% from last year. Hell yeah, dude. Congrats. Yeah, so it's been pretty wild. Like, I, I usually look tired, and I've got a lot more gray hair right on the back of my head now. And I'm sure there's a lot more people who don't like me than there used to be, but hey, that's part of the growing parts, you know? <laughs> Why do you say uh, that? I, you know, I, I uh, RC will probably tell you to reflect on that, too. I, I'm definitely a, a bit of an asshole most of the time. I'm pretty easy to go with as long as you're straight with me. As soon as you start BSing with me and, and I know you're lying or something like that, man, I just I just total 180 or lose interest. Or if you're just trying to show off or something like that, man, I just I just right wing, you know, I'm gone. My brain takes off and starts focusing on something else and starts just being a little bit dismissive. So I'm known for being a little bit dismissive sometimes. So, you know. What What do you think the reasoning is for that? Just been around too long, and I don't want to hear about you know your your LSV tech that makes 300 wheel horsepower. That's NA. I I just don't want to hear about it. I don't care. I know it's not possible. <laughs> I just don't care. But we still, you know, when we were younger, that we were on the other side of the fence, you know. And I'm sure there's guys who rolled their eyes at us when we used to talk, you know. And I, it's fine. I just don't have the patience for it anymore. Yeah. I got too old for this crap, man. <laughs> I feel you, man. So tell me about the business. Do you start in 2015? So, uh, so it's kind of a carryover business. So this company officially started in 2015, but um, I've been doing this on and off many years. I've actually had a couple different companies before this. Uh, I think RC probably knows Shift Fast Performance, which is my first major company, which I launched in 2005. Shift Fast. Yes. Okay. Um, I actually have an LIC a sticker on a couple cars here and there with the old, like 20 year old stickers that are just rotting in the sun. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, those are nasty. Take those off. But um, back then, uh, it was when I was just getting into track day stuff. I still worked at a retailer. You know, it was a secondary thing. Um, ah, there's another delivery guy trying to get in. Read the sign, bro. Go around back. Go around back. You got this. You got this? <laughs> I don't know if he's going around back. Oh, well. Try again. You want to let him know real quick? Yeah, I'll be right back, dude. Oh, wait. He's walking. All right. We're good. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. As uh, you guys can see, Robbie is hustling huge, right now. <laughs> I got this, yeah, I got this huge sign on the front door. It's big old arrow. It says, close, go around back. And everybody's ignoring <laughs> yeah. me. And I, it's like bold. I put it over my open sign. Like, oh, my God. 
Oh, this is the kind of fucking shit. Um, so yeah, back in 05, uh, I used to go to track days a lot, and um, I started doing, um, I don't know if you remember Import Builders. you remember them? No. I don't think they're around anymore either, but um, I had the... I had developed shift fast performance, and then on top of that was import builders Arizona, and we built basically race engines for Hondas. Um, nothing too crazy, nothing like we do now, obviously, but mainly just your typical um, internals, and you know, just make sure everything's safe and spec properly, so you can run them on the track and get lots of life out of them. So I did that until roughly 08. Um, I actually kind of predicted that 07 collapse, mm. and when the right when the 07 collapse was about to come in i just pulled all my cards real quick i actually sold my house and everything no shit um, yeah i ended up doing real well um on my house when i sold it right before the crash and i was able to take that and put it on another house and pay cash because when the market crashed i was able to get a house really cheap but i had made a whole bunch of money on the house i had sold before the crash so that helped me out a lot because that for my path being you know 22 23 and not having any debt and owning a house that was a huge piece for me um wow. so i actually I capitalized by accident. It wasn't like I wasn't reading the market per se. I just thought it was a good time to sell the house I was in because it was worth a hundred grand more than I bought it from. Mm, gotcha. Because I was I was in an area of Phoenix that was just skyrocketing. You know, just Awatuki. If anybody's in Arizona, I had a house in Awatuki. So I took that money and um, I invested it in myself. You know, I, I started uh, I started working on um, on essentially doing training. I went to school for a couple things like business management. I spent a good chunk of time learning uh, a ton about uh, economics and and, um, and business management on a, on a micro scale and a macro scale. And um, I still worked retail. I worked uh, I worked for a long time in retail, um, kind of doing all this on the side still. And uh, had an issue with cancer in the in the actually when I was with RCs. I still had cancer when I was with RC. Um, wow. Twenty third well twenty twelve was when it started becoming an issue. And I actually got fired by my company because I was un unable to. I was all my numbers were performing. They just simply did not want me around anymore because I was, I was definitely abusing the system as best I could in the sense that uh, I had a good assistant manager. If I needed an extra day off, I asked for it. Hey, bro, hey, could you fucking cover for me? I'm feeling like shit today. So he would, but the rules for our company stated we had to work six days a week. So if I only worked four, things like that were driving him nuts. You know. Yeah. So, anyways, they ousted me. I went. Uh, I went and worked with RC then, and um, I learned a lot from RC. I learned a ton from RC actually. Not so much about car builds, but about where I stood as a manager because I'd been managing, um, you know, twenty to thirty employees for the last five years, and then going down to just two employees with RC. RC and I think Jeff was the other guy I worked there, mm -hmm. um, and learning how valuable employees can be and how. Specifically, you have to hire. Like, you have to have the right people. Like, I already known this to a bit from my retail experience, but learning it from RC, as you know, RC is pretty stubborn, dude. Man, like, I love him to death. But he's one of the most stubborn dudes I've ever met in my life. Yeah. Um, so getting him to do anything that was something that I needed done was like herding cats, literally. And RC, I know you're gonna watch this, and I love you, and you know it's true. Wait, did you say herding cats? Herding fucking cats. <laughs> Getting RC to do something that wasn't on one of his cars, you know, was tough. Um, I love that one. Yeah, but uh, I but through that experience of of trying to assist RC with his company, I learned where what I needed to do for myself. I actually learned that I had to build a company from the ground up with all my expectations in place and take everything I learned from my 12 years of retail experience and then from my six or seven years of schooling and apply it all in one place. And 
it wasn't even a question of it could it be successful. I knew it was going to be successful right off the bat. So technically, uh, in twenty end of twenty fifteen, uh, I met my business partner. Actually, we were just talking at the time. We hadn't really developed anything solid yet, but I knew I was going to do something. And I've been going to track days for ten years now, and everybody's always asking me, "Where do you get stuff? Where do you get this? Where do you get that? Where do you? Where can I get this? Where can I get that?" So then I thought about it, and I was like. Why aren't I? They're already asking me. Why am I not the guy that they just get this stuff from? You know. Yeah. And I looked around, and no one else in town really had any of this stuff. So you had to order it online. Um, so I took. I had about. I had about five hundred dollars to my name, man, at the time, and I just took all that money and I dumped it right into a uh, wholesale account with a helmet vendor, um, and I bought four helmets. I owned four, four helmets. That's all. It's all I owned as a shop. That's all I owned. And I took them in my car out to the track, and I put a table up, and I put four helmets on the table, and I wanted to see if anybody buy my four helmets, man. Um, so they did. People bought these helmets. So I was selling these four helmets consistently. Every time I go out, I'd sell all four helmets, and I made money on them. So I would buy eight helmets the next time, or 11 helmets, 15 helmets. And I was like, sweet, I've got a few helmets. And then I'm talking to my partner, like, well, how do we how do we make this bigger? I'm like, well, we should get gloves. We should get shoes, and we should get visors, and we should get tire pressure gauges. Like, just so we literally started, and I bought a three thousand after saving up for it. I bought a three thousand dollar F two fifty, which I had for years, and we just started packing the back of this F two fifty. Had a like a t- camper shell on. We just started packing it full of stuff, like all the way to the end. We just kept taking all the money that we earned. I never took a paycheck. She never took a paycheck. We put all the money right back into this back of this pickup truck and filled it full of merchandise and just kept going to these track events. And then we started going to out-of-state track events. All right, guys, we got to take a quick break for our sponsor, Action Clutch. One of the most critical parts to any build is the clutch. Without a proper clutch, you won't be able to get that power to the wheels. No one wants to spend hundreds of dollars on a clutch that won't hold their power for more than a few races or spirited drives. Spirited drives, I think that's what I do all the time, man. Um, This is why it's important to go with a kit that you know that you can count on, and that's why many people choose Action Clutch over the competition. Action Clutch is made here in the USA with parts sourced locally in Los Angeles. They have kits to replace from OEM clutches all the way up to 1,200 horsepower and can be found everywhere from streetcars, drive cars, even Formula Drift vehicles. If you guys check them out on Instagram, you can see all these cars that do rock Action Clutch, and there is a lot of Formula Drift vehicles on there so you know that they can hold the power not only are they made here in the usa but action clutch has made a strong focus this year to give back a percentage of sales to the community during these hard times providing impacted families with groceries and other necessities contact action clutch today with whatever you need and you will receive the family treatment you guys could check them out at actionclutch.com or on instagram at action clutch or if you want to give them a call you can give them a call at 323-269-6051 or you could email them sales at actionclutch.com and if you need help choosing the right kit just hit them up and they'll give you the family treatment and before you check out make sure you use code dtwd to get 15 percent off site-wide thank you to action clutch for supporting us and thank you guys for listening now it's back to the show wait so before we, we the... get any further yeah, yeah yeah i want to paint this picture okay so you have yeah, 500 yeah. bucks get five guys listen 500 dollars you decide to open an account with a company and you get four helmets. And I begged that company, by the way. Like, I begged them to give me a chance. 
So you saw an opportunity. This is the biggest part in business, guys. Listening, you see, you see an opportunity where you can feel a, a need or a service or what have you, which was the helmets at that time. People Correct. are asking you for parts. Okay, you're you're already going to these events, so you take right. the five hundred, buy the helmets, go back to the events, and it works. People buy the the helmets, so you sell four, and then you think, well, maybe I could sell eight. The eight sell. Maybe I can sell 16, the 16 sell, and it just keeps going from there. Spirals out That's of control. It, I mean, like just the company that worked with us, I I, I um I just cold called them. I just <laughs> I didn't like have a plan. I just called the guys. I'm like, hey, I want to sell your product. They're like, well, we need a buy-in, you know, and buy-ins are part of life, right? You know, buy-in. I'm like, well, I can't buy in that much, but how about you give me a goal over two two months or so mm. or whatever? And if I hit that goal, you keep the account open. So I the guy it. was cool. And he didn't have a rep for his product in, in the area. So he was cool. He said, so I just need you to sell $12,000 in product by the end of the year. I'd sold 12,000 products with my partner by the end of March. Oh, shit. Yeah. And then after that, he has ne- that, that company has never asked me questions again. So that same company, we do probably $150,000 in business with them a year now. Wow. Um, and they're happy about that. Um, but yeah, so I, my, my partner's. She joined up right at the end of 2015, early 2016, technically, and she developed all our logos. If you go to our website, I don't, so I don't know if you've ever watched this, but over the last four years, our website's changed dramatically, and she's done all that technology, done all the branding, done all the uh, all the uh, merchandising. Like uh, she makes all of our T-shirts, you know, like mm-hmm. all this stuff is my my partner. She does all of that work. Um, her name's Melissa, and. Uh, and that's and that was the other key piece to it was I had the drive and the business knowledge and I had someone helping who had the ambition and basically she was fresh out of college at the time and what I offered for her because obviously we're not getting paid yet I offered freedom of creativity to literally do what you want mm. and sandbox as much as you want oh here comes UPS <laughs> <laughs> that's the hustle guys oh my god hopefully he sees the sign if he doesn't I'll let him know too. <laughs> I, I might go. Let, I'm gonna let him know before he unloads everything. Hang All on. right, go ahead. So, guys, while uh, Ravi's getting the door right there, please just listen to the story because this is—I've heard this story a thousand times from a thousand different companies. And if all thousand can do it, then you can do it as well. It just takes that opportunity. You got to be able to see that opportunity when it's uh, when it comes out, man. And that's Ravi's seen the opportunity, and uh, so so you decided. To, I don't know what the fuck that is. That's not like that. That's got. That's got to be the cable guy. Oh shit! <laughs> expanding every day. <laughs> there you cable it upstairs. <laughs> Apparently, he found a wall to drill through. It's all good. So, oh, uh, yeah, let's get back to the business part aspect of it. Um, sure. When, when you, um, when you uh, were going to business school and everything like that, and learning about business, did that come up about having a, a business partner the positives and negatives of it um yeah we we talked a lot about it um so i went to uh it was actually university of phoenix which someplace people hate that school but that's actually it was a it was a school that was um quite a bit different than a lot of schools i've been to most schools you go to you have assignments you complete them you turn them in you get a grade yeah university of phoenix it was interesting because the way they did education was um everything was experience based you actually went out and did stuff it was very hands-on i i don't think i hardly wrote any papers for that place it was all hands-on interaction inside the classroom and some of it outside the classroom um so yeah we definitely went over the positive and negatives have a business partner um as we all know having business partners that are friends are tough 
there's a lot of trust, you know. And we've made it through five years now. And believe me, we have screamed at each other and argued and, like, tried to kill each other. Um, but all of it was in the in the name of growing the business, though. None of it was ever at each other. It was, like, trying to make a decision has always been real, real tough because we're talking about – and it's gotten better over the years because initially we're talking about when we had a – you know, at one point we had a thousand dollars in the bank account. We're like, "Yay! What do we spend a thousand dollars on?" And that was a huge freaking argument, you know, mm. because we only had a thousand dollars, and I wanted to do this, and she wanted to do that. You know, she wanted to do mer- uh, marketing and advertising, and I wanted to buy more inventory. We're both right, you know. We're both totally right, but how do you get through those hurdles? And that took a lot of uh, a lot of learning how to compromise, a lot of learning how to talk to each other better, and. Um, it was an amazing thing. And now we still do the same thing right now. We have, you know, we're having, we're having $10,000 discussions. Like, what do we want to do with $10,000? Like, you know, I want to buy a bunch of shit. She's like, well, we spend it marketing. Like, it hasn't changed. It's the same conversation, but at least we, <laughs> we see it coming now. And it's incredible. You think that stuff would get better and easier over time, but it actually is the same conversation. But having a business partner, if there's anybody out there listening, having a business partner that will do a couple things for you to make it work. First one, if they'll starve for you to make it work, meaning, they understand the value of not taking a paycheck in those introductory phases. Some people will say you have to be paying yourself. You have to be paying yourself. That's nice. The only way you can be paying yourself is if you'd have a really slow growth or if you decided to take a loan. That's really the only way. We never took a loan. We've 100% been debt-free the entire time. All the way to our current format, we're still debt-free. So yeah, neither one's wrong, but in the path we chose was a debt-free path. So in that case, we had to start for approximately two, two and a half years. Mm. Um, I worked another part-time job just to make ends meet. Um, I actually did fucking Postmates for a long time just because it was quick, easy cash that I could do when I'm not here. Yeah. And when I say here, I mean my little tiny 10 by 10 foot office that we had a long time ago. Um, and same with her. She worked another uh, a full-time job and just kind of moonlighted and did this at home. I mean, it was always a, it's always been a hustle at home kind of job as any, you know, any of these entrepreneurial things are. You go home, you lock the door. That doesn't mean you stop. You keep going all night. I had somebody ask me, uh, uh, he would apologize for contacting me late in the night. He said, yeah, you probably get a few messages. I'm like, I have 289 unread messages on my phone. I have 783 unread emails from today. So, yeah, oh I get my a few God. messages. So, yeah, if you don't use the proper means of communication, a.k.a. my Facebook page or calling me during business hours, the chances of me responding, pretty freaking low. God um, Melissa just read my email box this morning because I had 9,000 unread emails. And I don't eh. – <laughs> I mean, a lot of them I don't need to read, but there's probably some in there that I should have, but I couldn't get to them because it wasn't possible because I have two hour long phone conversations with somebody about what kind of lug nuts they want. You know, it's like, oh, it, shit. it's such a hard thing to manage, Frank. It's it's incredible. Um, When I go from our our first year of operation, we did sixty nine thousand dollars total. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was pretty cool. First year, you know, whatever. Second year we did 169. I'm like, sweet, we did over 100. Nice. Man, that's crazy. Third year 369. Uh, last year was 570. This year we're already at 880. Wow. Like I said we might bust a million this year, but to, to do a million dollars in business means I've had done a million dollars in transactions, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and, and only about 30 percent of them are online. So about 70 percent of them, Melissa and I have to deal with them in person. Or via email, or via messenger, or via some form of communication, phone calls, and like it sounds silly. I mean, it's all, it's notepadded, dude. Wow. Like the technology can't keep up. Like the CRMs, I've tried using CRMs. The CRMs are just messy. They don't work. This has always worked best for me. And everybody's got different systems. And to all those new guys out there, man, if you're gonna be a business owner, have a business partner that supports you heavily and have some systems. 
get systems in place early. Um, so a lot of people don't realize that, like I get, I get calls all the time. People think we're this giant freaking company. There is two people who work up front full time. I have two weekend warriors who only work Saturdays. And then I have two techs who work in the back who don't work up front. So essentially all the parts stuff and all the orders is handled by two people. Wow. And I do about 70% of it. Um, and Melissa tries to squeeze in 30% of it between all her duties. She has a crap ton of daily duties. She keeps up all the Instagram stuff, the Facebook product development in terms of she does all the merchandising shirts and sweatshirts and all that that everybody loves and keychains. Comes up with cool programs like our pit pass that we just enacted. So when you buy stuff on our website, you get points now. And when you get free shit every time you hit markers, you know? Very cool. Yeah, all that takes all this energy, but no one would possibly believe it's only two people spearheading all that. Dude, how do you do it all? I said the white hair, man. (laughs) 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 But that that, that, to bring me back full circle is that that's the stuff I learned from RC of what level of hustle is required to hit the targets I want to hit. You know, like my 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 ambition. Uh, My ambition doesn't have a a cutoff per se. It's just I'm going to keep going. I'm going to yeah. keep pushing until I can't do it anymore. And when I can't do it, I'm going to hire someone else who can do it with me. And I'm going to find someone who's just as good as me to do it with me. Yeah. You know? Dude, that's a great attitude to have, bro. I, I just sold something. Money's See, coming in. I love it. Uh, yeah. You hear that? <laughs> it's genius. So, I don't even know what the fuck it was. So back, yeah, in, so back yeah. in 2015, how were you so confident that the uh, business was going to succeed? Well, if I didn't succeed, I was going to fail. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it is, Frank. <laughs> Uh, when you just lost your almost six-figure job, you know, yeah. I got kicked to the curb from from my prior company before RCs, and I had when I was when I left when I went joined RC up, I had a I had a good savings saved up, so I wasn't worried about working with RC. I told RC my conditions, and he met them, and we did it. And at the end of one year, I simply thought that our, the development didn't go the way I wanted it to, so I simply stopped. I, I I did exactly one year, then I stopped working there, which is what we had talked about, um, and then I took. Very, I had very little left, and I made sure to pay off any any minor debt that I had. And I said I ended up about five hundred bucks. And I essentially told myself, um, "There's another piece of the story. I have a criminal freaking history. Mm. So I I have a, a criminal ding on my record. I didn't. I stole my own car technically, and the state of Arizona made it stick somehow. I have no idea how the hell that happens, but I got stuck with a criminal ding on my record, which means no one would hire me. I couldn't get hired by anybody. I applied. Again, I had at that point I had like nine years of retail experience, all upper management, and I was applying for jobs that are way beneath my skills set. And I think in two years of applying to jobs, the only job that I got a response from was from an insurance agency to sell insurance. I'm like, yeah, this isn't even my skill set. Like, that's why I ended up doing Postmates and stuff because at least it was so far beneath my skill set that I didn't care. It wasn't like an insult. It was me doing just hustling. You know. I was, Going and delivering food quick as I can, trying to make a couple grand a month off of it, you know. Um, but yeah, so I yeah, in 2015, I realized I had to sink or swim. I either had to go work at McDonald's, or I had to do something better. And I wanted to do something better, you know. Like I, in all the years I'd worked at one company, I didn't really have any strings to pull because of working at just one company. Other than Honda, I worked for Honda back in the early 2000s, but I didn't want to go back to the dealership. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like I said that retailer, I had connections there, but. I was already ousted there. I wasn't going to go back. Um, I could go to their competitor. They had a large competitor, but I realized I didn't want to work in a corporate environment ever again if that's how how quickly someone would dismiss you for a health issue that was documented and on record. And it wasn't affecting business performance, actually. The worst part about it was the company I was working for, they were putting like $250,000 on the bottom line every year I was there. 
um, the store I was at was revenueing almost $4 million a year. That same store currently with a new manager, they barely touched two mil. Mm. So they lost, they were willing to lose $2 million in gross profits a year over firing me. I'm not even mad about it anymore. I'm just like, like I'm mad about it because I'm a manager and that would be a terrible decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To give someone an extra day off because they actually needed it or lose $2 million gross a year. Man, that must have been a rough time. It was a little rough. It was definitely a mental quagmire, you know, a lot to think about, you know, uh, a lot of questioning yourself and what you're worth. And um, like I said, that's what RC helped me a ton because he came fly and I'm like, dude, I need your help. I'm like, who the fuck needs my help? You know, I just got fired from a badass job. And so RC definitely helped me, uh, you know, like I said, realize who I was, what I needed to do and how I was going to do it. Um, and once I had that figured out, which I learned over that year, man, that year with RC, I learned all those three things, who I was, what I need to do and how I'm going to do it. Once I knew how I was going to do it, the rest was easy, man. You just do it. You go out and do it. You don't doubt yourself. Doubting yourself, you're going to fail. All right, guys, we got to take a break for our sponsor, Manscaped. Autumn is in the air and Manscaped is here to ensure that you don't carve your pumpkins when you're grooming. And by pumpkins, they actually mean your boys downstairs. In fact, Manscaped is on a mission to change the way that you approach caring for your balls. And everybody in the UK, Canada, and Australia, you could jump in on this as well, man. I've been getting a lot of DMs from Canada and Australia with dudes with bushes, and they're just like, dude, we need this hookup. We need this downtime with Downstar Manscaped code because our bushes are whack, bro. And I said, yo, there's nothing I could really do about it. But now we can because Manscaped is offered in UK, Canada, and Australia. So you guys can cop the uh, Lawnmower 3.0. You guys know this joint, 7,000 RPMs, 90 minute battery life. This thing is legit. But what they also do have is the, uh, the new Weed Whacker, which which is a safe skin technology and it's a nose trimmer. And that's something that I do need. Manscaped, can you send me one of those please? Because my nose hairs are insane, man. I bet you guarantee right now if I reach in there, I could yank out about 17 of them. They're about three quarters of an inch long. But if you guys want, you could check out Manscaped and check out their crop care kit, which comes with the uh, ever so popular ball deodorant. It comes with the crop cleaner, which is a body wash, which is pretty dope. I uh, I actually want to get some of that too. Manscaped, I need this all this new stuff, dude. What's really good? But I need to get this uh, crop cleaner body wash. Manscaped, what's up? I need it all, man. I even need these crop mop for the uh, the the ball wipes, dude. I ran out. I usually carry some of the ball wipes in my uh, in my wallet just in case you get off work and then the wife's like, hey, let's go out to dinner and say, okay, let me wipe down my balls real quick. And also offered in the crop care kit is the foot duster foot deodorant it's a free gift the cooling tree tree oil offers a pleasant experience for the stinkiest feet allows you to take your shoes off in confidence man this will take care of everything out there i know there's a lot of dirty ass car guys out there that can use this and you guys can even get this manscaped little tote bag put it all in there go out to these race events and you don't smell like dog shit when you're out there shaking hands with the fans but guys please make sure you check out manscaped.com and once you do, use the code DTWD for 20% off plus free shipping. Don't do it for me. Don't do it for anybody else. Do it for the girl that you're trying to feed that sausage to because it smells like shit, bro. Reach your hand down there. Jiggle it around. Smell your hand. If it doesn't smell like Manscaped, you're messing up, man. Hit them up. Manscaped.com. Downtime with Downstar code DTWD. 20% off. Free shipping. And go have a good night. So prior to um, you working with RC, did you ever think that you can accomplish what you've accomplished up to this day? 
You know, prior to working with RC, I never envisioned ever owning a company or doing any of these things um, because I was so involved in the corporate scheme of things. I was so high up in a corporate community that I had never envisioned. I was I was thinking, you know, I was getting my six figures. I was going to go get a nice, big-ass, badass house in, like, Arcadia, someplace nice, have a family, all that bullshit, you know? I never saw that right-hand turn coming, Yeah. you know? I never saw that angular change in my lifestyle happening. Um, and, yeah, like I said, it was a big freaking challenge to to overcome that, that expectation of myself, you know, um, of earning that big dollar and bring myself back down to earning nothing and figuring out how to do it and what my plans were and how was I going to pay for insurance or how was I going to pay for my, you know, my, my daily expenses and all that, figuring all that out on the fly. It was, uh, and then deciding to, to do like things like Postmates and do side jobs while working on building something sustainable. Cause I would say that this company, while well, it's five years old, the company's five years old. It became fully, fully self-sustainable about a year and a half ago. And when I mean fully self-sustainable, again, remember since we took no debt on, we, me and Melissa were not taking paychecks. We started taking paychecks about a year and a half ago and transitioned into a profitability. Um, based on all my studies, I, I determined how much money we had to be making a month and how much net profit we had to be making every month to determine when we were going to pay ourselves. Gotcha. And how much and you know what I expected. So we like we we operate on about a twenty percent payroll. We don't we don't pay ourselves more than twenty percent net. If we don't if that's not enough for us, we need to go hustle more. Yeah. That's all it is. If if twenty percent's not enough, we're gonna go hustle more. Wow, dude, that's awesome, man. That's a. Uh... And then we pay our people. Actually, I'm 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 technically the lowest paid employee here. Uh, my my two shop guys make a lot more than me, and that's okay because they they do more work than I do in that sense. They're hustling, they're busting their asses off out there, you know. Yeah. Uh, so like, that's an understanding all these concepts of how you treat your people right and take care of them. They'll take care of you. We're doing things that no one else in our industry is doing. We're working on insurance. Mm. Think of how many small shops have insurance for their employees. Like we run workers' comp. We run. Uh, we're running. Um, what's called alternative insurance, which is essentially. Um, it's a it's a blanket for big coverage. So if you have big coverage but you have holes, it'll cover all your holes. Kind of like Medicare does when you're older. Um, we're working on major medical as well. Like we have all these goals that we're going to do um, to make sure that everyone who's here is a long-term member of the team, not just an employee. You know? Yeah. How do you ensure that? What are some of the things that you do besides you know insurance and things like that to uh, to keep the morale up and keep the employees happy? Well, a lot of like one of the big problems I see with entrepreneurial type places, one of the number one things I see, and I know every every state's different, but in Arizona, it is a, illegal to not W two your employees. You cannot do that. You you can't just ten ninety nine people. Ten ninety nine is for contractors. Contractors meaning the person's not doing the same thing every day, and they have a fixed term that to be met. So I know a lot of shops who treat everybody as ten ninety nine contractors, which fucks the employee over twice. First off, they're not an employee, so they have no employee rights which that's a problem. Um, secondly, they're not entitled to workers' comp because they don't work for you. They're a contractor. They work for themselves. Mm. Uh, and lastly, uh, you're not taking taxes out for them. So at the end of the year, they have to have saved up a crap ton of money and, and predict what's going to happen. You know, It's hard enough paying taxes on W-2s. We all know that. We never know if we're going to owe or, owe or not. You have to do all that math and figure it out. But by not doing that for your, for your employees, that's a disservice to them. So I think that increases turnover rates at a lot of entrepreneurial, especially especially automotive shops, mm. paint shops, stuff like that, where they treat everybody as contractors instead of saying, hey, you're an employee. I mean, if I'm a, if I was anybody, I, I've worked 1099 job before. I never felt like an employee at a 1099 job. I just felt like someone who kind of showed up and had to work and then was left and no one gave a shit if I showed up or not, you know? Got you. I think proper W-2ing is a first step for any employer 
to show that your employees are worth something. You're willing to spend that 60, 70 bucks every two weeks to file for paychecks. It costs money to do W-2 people. It costs money to do payroll. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can do it yourself, but it's not it's not worth it as a business owner. That, that's one thing. If anybody's a new business owner, do not do payroll yourself. It takes too much time. Pay someone. Um, so making that step was huge. That way everybody gets direct deposit. You know, it's all out. I, all I do is I plug in the hours, pay the people, you know, mm-hmm. they accumulate vacation time, they accumulate sick time. You know, like these are important things that are the huge difference between working at a real job and working at a entrepreneurial pop and mom and pop job shop is you don't get these things most of the time. So as folks get older and more experienced, I might add, and if they're not getting these small benefits, do you think they're going to stay? Retainment. You don't want to train someone for three or four years and have them bounce on you simply because they have a family now and they need insurance, they need they need security, you know? Yeah. So I, th- I think it's important to develop security as the business grows. And that's been our top priority with all our other profits that we make is to make sure that our, everyone's taken care of, that the business is secure and the, our relationship with our employees are secure. Dude, those are a lot of great points, man. You know, so um, since you come from the the corporate side and now you're more on the entrepreneur side of things, um, would you ever consider going back to the other side or do you feel like that was a a waste of time to even go down that path? Definitely wasn't a waste of time. Like I said, I learned a crap ton from from the the nine years in corporate. Um, Would I go do it again? It would have to be a really specific scenario. Like it'd have to be something I'm really passionate about. not a lot of, I can't think of that scenario really Frank uh, like I said I, my goal here is to keep building this place my goal is to replace to, to replace myself with someone who's equally driven and take more of a backseat role more of a management only role versus so much hands-on um, the big problem we have is everybody knows this company because of my face and what I do I'm trying to phase other people into those positions I want to have other good qualified people here answering the phones meeting customers up front that way they get used to them, you know, yeah. start transitioning that power shift over to other folks. Um, so that way they, they, they know I'm not the only only person here that they can come and be with any of my employees and we'll take care of them, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's my long-term goal probably within the next three years to have taken a more backseat role and more managerial type role um, and make it a corporate environment but a much more um, – I, I would never fire someone over medical. That's insane. It's not illegal in Arizona. That's the worst part. Uh, Arizona's a work right to work state, so you can fire you for everything except anything except for racial, racial or religious. Basically, is the only thing you can't get fired for. It's pretty insane. But uh, no, that's my my eventual goal is to transform this into something large uh, to the point where I'm employing lots of my, lots of people who need jobs. You know, I, I want to have a bigger warehouse. We have a small warehouse right now. We want to have a we want to have a twenty thousand square foot warehouse, and we want to be selling parts and race gear all across the southwest region you know we i mean we sell currently everywhere in the u.s i've even sold stuff in japan and a couple other countries Very and cool. yeah and like it's cool when i like log on to social media and i'll see our shop being tagged from people i don't even know or i'll see uh we had an lmp1 car at uh the sebring 24 hours of sebring two years ago that had one of our stickers on the side of it i don't know who it was no way I have no idea no idea. Just had a we don't lift sticker down the side of an LMP1 car, dude. That's a fast freaking car. And that advertisement space costs money. And I didn't do shit. I think the guy bought a helmet from us. Yeah. Because I send those stickers out with the helmet boxes. But I don't know, actually. I have no idea who it was. It was just that somebody in the paddock took a picture of it and sent it to me. And he, he already took off before it. Like, give me the whole car. Give me the whole car. <laughs> yeah. So I know who it is. But I, I just saw it was the back section of an LMP car. I was like, that's pretty cool. But to see that change and people recommending us 
over the big dogs that have been established for years, we have a lot of competition US-wide, mm. um, not only on the uh, safety gear side, but the parts side of things. So why would you buy from us versus someone else? And the, the what we've been making waves with is when you call us, you get a person every time. We don't really do uh, any automated response type stuff, really, other than when we're closed. When we're closed, our automated response will kick over. But other than that, you know, we're here. There's someone that will pick up the phone. We put hands on every order. We try to be personalized. We're not – a lot of places are just big drop shippers. We're yeah. not. We're about 75% fulfillment in store. Wow. Yeah, and that number always tips the other direction every week. So let's say somebody orders, I don't know, a pair of shoes that I've never sold before, right? And then somebody orders another set next week, I'm just going to start stocking them. It's not a big deal. I just order three sets, put them in the, on the shelf. So now that fulfillment number goes up a little bit, you know? And it stays at about 75. I don't want it to be 100%. Because if, if I get to 100%, that means, I don't, I, that means I'm not bringing any new merch, you know? So I, 75% is a good number for me. I always have about 25% of the stuff on tap and then another 75% in store. We keep growing that number and growing that inventory in efforts of being able to take care of anybody, you know? Yeah. Um, we do a whole lot of filtration of brands. Like, I, I've been threatening, I need to get a hold of you. We need to start getting some Downstar in my freaking Hell room, yeah. man. We need to have some Downstar up on these cabinets and stuff, you know, so people can check it out in person in Arizona, you know? Definitely. But, like, like for me, I don't sell low-quality brands. I won't sell Megan. I'm sorry, Megan. I don't like your stuff. I find it fairly poor quality, and I've seen it break, and it's not for me. It's for other people. It's not for me, so we don't sell it. You know, I don't want to go out there and slam brands, but that's we're really selective of who we sell. Yeah, I love it, man. Yeah, you guys want to do it? Anything with downstairs, dude, please just let me know. Oh, I, I would love it. You're that. on the list. Let's let's get it. When we get out of here, man, you just send me what you need, and we'll get stuff in here. For sure. So let's go over some of the brands that you do offer, uh, more towards sure. like the, the Honda community. So what are sure. the brands that you you offer? Well, I mean, uh, from I'll go from the Honda race community just because I know them a little bit better. Obviously, that's more my market. Um, Eibach. I love Eibach. I love Eibach suspension, all the spray bars. Uh, PCI. Okay. PCI makes a lot of great stuff. Um, we're direct with PCI. ASR. ASR is a very good company against suspension-wise that we like to work with. Um, we are about to jump in with K2, and I've been pushing it off just because I'm busy. Gotcha. But uh, K2 will be coming soon. Uh, obviously, Hasport. Hasport's like four miles down the road, man. Mm. I carry their mountains in stock. I carry like there's a stack of stack of bushings behind that coffee cup there. A bunch of 65As or 62As yeah. right behind me there. Um, uh, oh, we have oh, Skyken, M Factory, Synchrotech, all those diff companies. Um, uh, Honda, Xenocron, if you're familiar with the guys over at Xenocron, we do a lot with them. Yeah. Uh, I think it's AEM, uh, OBP for pedal boxes. They make a bunch of drop-in pedal box solutions. Man, I, it just keeps going on. Like all the Sparco stuff, Planted, you know, Very cool. all the safety gear-related stuff, um, Skunk 2. It's, it's, it's an ongoing list that just keeps growing. Um, BC, Brian Crower, you know. Um, we try to, like, like, the Honda stuff is definitely an area we cover quite well. Um, I see, even though we have a lot more Subaru customers, I'd say, these days, just because, you know, typically speaking, I'd say most Honda owners are doing the work themselves, which yeah, is fine. Yeah, yeah. And they still come in to buy parts. Like, they buy a lot of Fortunato from us. Fortunato is one of the suspension items that goes really fast. That's a that's a great product for under $2,000, you know. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to beat Fortunato for suspension. And so we sell a lot of that. There's a kit for a DC2 sitting on the floor there. Um so a lot of these brands, we were direct with them. We've worked with them through the racing community. Like, uh, I'm sponsored by Fortunato. It's not, I actually sold them, though, before I was sponsored. Um, I I, uh, I had them on our race car. You know, they're amazing. We've won a couple championships on those on that coilover. And they're, work, they're out of Virginia. I love working with companies who are from the U.S., you know. Um, so it's really awesome. that uh, I would have, 
I tried to get Ryan to hook me up with some uh, iBox, but they stopped making the R2s for the NSX uh, before I switched over to Fortunes. I had KWs on before it, but unfortunately, I discontinued the, the NSX stuff before I could get a hold of any of it. Gotcha. Yeah. So I really uh, wanted R2s, man. Tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about that NSX, man. Oh, the NSX. It's right behind that door. It's in a thousand fucking pieces. Um, it'll be coming back probably end of the year with some pretty significant updates to it. I can't talk too much about them now, but mm -hmm. I promise you when, when we can, we'll definitely get back on the horn with you guys, maybe walk a camera out there, that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, um, I've actually been thinking about taking a trip out there. Uh, we've been definitely. we've been starting to do daily vlogs, and um, yeah. RC is always going out there every other weekend headed to Phoenix because he still has stuff to, to tie up over there. I'm thinking about taking a trip with him when things slow down a little bit and then just right. uh, go visit a bunch of shops. I'd love to stop by for sure. All right, guys, we got to take our last break for our newest sponsor, Aeromotive. Piecing together a fuel system for your build can be a difficult task. Luckily, Aeromotive has your back with everything from replacement fuel pumps to fuel systems that will support 3,000 horsepower. Aeromotive's engineers have developed a solution for your build regardless of power level. If you're looking to make the switch over to E85, they have every part that you need to build a system that will be there for you when you need it the most. And if you need a custom fuel system for your daily that turned into a project car, no problem if you guys have a daily that has turned into a project car just leave it in the comments i know we should have like a million comments after that because everybody has a daily that turned into a project car then you need a new daily then you need a new project car then you need a new daily and it's just a vicious cycle but when that does happen make sure you hit up aeromotive and you can get one of their brushless pump lines new line that just came out it's a quieter pump less heat and it lasts longer than traditional pumps these range from a thousand horsepower all the way up to 3,000 with 10 gallons per minute. Now, if you don't need anything to the 3,000 horsepower mark, they do have the Stealth 340, which is the most popular pump that they do offer. Fits in most factory locations, high horsepower pump, and it's a 700 horsepower EFI setup or 1,000 if you got a carburetor. Or if you don't even know what you need or if you need something crazy out of this world, you can hit up their customization shop and they can get you a fuel setup for any build, any style, anything that you need. And if you have a race team and you're on the downtime right now and you want to get all your parts ran through and make sure that you're all set for the new season you could check out their rebuild program just like matt field the pro drifter does send all your stuff to them they'll go through it get it back slap it in go win some races now thank you guys for listening and back to the episode yeah if you can plan something in like december that's probably the best time because i think we should have it running by then and you can ask rc he knows what's going on but we can't talk about it on Got the you, yet. no problem um but uh yeah it should be pretty dope um we're just getting ready for Super Lap coming up in a in a few months in, in you March. Said in March, right? Yeah, March fifth through fifth through the seventh, they finally uh, solidified the days over at Circuit of the Americas in Austin, the big Formula One track. Mm. We've been going there three three times or two uh, every year for the last three years. Um, it's just a it's a it's the equivalent of Week Fest for racing for grassroots racing. You know, you've got Grid Life Touring Cup shows up. The North American Time Attack Series is running, which is Super Lap technically, and um, you got usually Lone Star Drift comes out. We had, we had a lot of spectators last time. We had like 3,000 paid spectators, which for Time Attack, that's a crap ton. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's pictures of the paddock full and people walking down. I mean, I'm sitting there signing autographs, and I'm like, I don't, I'm a nobody here, man. Like, I, I don't, I'm not anybody. But you want, you want me to sign the picture of my car? Cool, yeah, oh, knock yeah. yourself out, man. You know, I, I, 
it was a it was a pretty real time, you know. It was pretty awesome. And Austin, I'm sure I don't know if you've ever been to Austin, no. but it's a real it's a dude. You should maybe you should come out. It's a pretty freaking cool event, and Austin's an amazing city to to have an automotive event in. They got Sixth Street, which is kind of like going to New Orleans or something. Just fucking bars down the road, and just a good old time. Lots of music. It's it's a fun time. It's it's definitely the premier time attack uh, venue in North America. Um, let alone probably one of the largest motorsports uh, things that's happens in America too. That's that's again driving related, not so much show related. I don't know if you you ever heard of Gateville? No. When you get off here, go look at Gateville. It's um, it's a European. It's a G A T E B I L. It's okay. a European um, drifting and racing uh, festival, I guess you might say. And you're talking like forty, fifty, sixty thousand people show up to these weekend events to watch racing and it's because it's treated in a very similar manner to grid life does their their festivals it's yeah. very similar to grid life festivals except just on a large ass scale <laughs> it's insane wow it's, you got to check it out man like um go on vimeo because they do such a good job of documenting it on vimeo um if you go to youtube the videos are just derez so bad but vimeo has all the 4k videos yeah it's it's incredible um the track's called Rostogan. It's uh, that they usually do that, and it's what I would love to see the automotive community get to in America. Granted, America will always have a little bit more focus on the safety aspects of things, so there won't be anybody hanging out of cars, which is okay by me. Yeah. <laughs> but um, just seeing all, all these people have a place to go for to celebrate motorsports is pretty freaking awesome to me. And like I said, I, I, that's that's something I want to be around for and be involved in always. Have you uh, been to a Grid Life event before? Uh, I have been to one. Uh, next year, we're planning on going to Alpine Horizon. Hopefully, if COVID you know lifts, the COVID restrictions lift. They did it this year, but since there's no spectators and stuff, we didn't we didn't make the trip. A, because we didn't have a car, and B, because bringing a vendor booth out for a non-spectator event just doesn't make much sense. Yeah. So our plan is is definitely to have uh, Grid Life um, Alpine Horizon Festival uh, on our calendar. Hopefully, like I said, we'll be able to attend safely, and hopefully, everybody in America is doing better, and you know, it'd be a good time because I, I saw. The first event of it, anyway, it looked really good. Um, so we want to definitely participate and show our support for a very fast-growing grassroots movement um, that Chris and Adam and all the entire crew um, have worked on really hard for quite a few years. And uh, they probably don't remember, but maybe they do. I, I, I actually have known of that event for a long time before. Like, I used to go to Western Honda Michigan meet, and I live in Arizona, so you can see that's quite a trek. Oh, wow. I used to drive all the way over to Western Honda Michigan meet or and ITR Expo, and that's how I met all those folks. But I was pretty pretty quiet back then i didn't have the business you know i just i just showed up to drive and went home i didn't really talk to a lot of people you know but um i remember watching it the idea of western honda michigan me kind of morph into like something separate and then turn bigger and then turn into kind of in my eyes turn into grid life it just from western honda michigan me you could kind of see the need for this other type of event and it just kind of like appeared and all of a sudden it was there and i don't know if that's actually how it happened that's how it sure appeared to me is that it was kind of founded by folks from the western honda michigan meet and they got together and decided they wanted a bigger festival kind of deal, and then Grid Life kind of just showed up and gave everybody access to, uh, you know, grassroots levels of time attack like Global Time Attack. See, Global Time Attack's always been on the West Coast, so Grid Life did really well on the East Coast. Um, I, GTA only went uh, has only gone back east a few times to New Jersey, I think, for the most part. Other than that, it's usually Atlanta as far as it goes. So it made it harder to participate, obviously, if you're an East Coaster, and and vice versa. Why a lot of GTA folks are all West Coasters because we all grew up on the West Coast doing it, and it's really cool to see all of that connecting at Superlap Battle because Superlap Battle is not GTA, it's not Grid Life, it's North American Time Attack. 
mm-hmm. it's a it's a grouping. So you get all these fast people from Gridlife, all these fast people from GTA, all coming and compete together. It's pretty cool. And you said that's going to be in uh, Austin. That's Austin, Texas, Circuit of the Americas, March fifth through the seventh, I believe. Wow. Maybe we do. Maybe we can make it that, out. That would be sick, dude. Check it out, man. We're actually doing the. Uh, we actually uh, we don't lift is in charge of all the uh, printed brochures that they send out. So maybe we'll have to chat see if you want to get in on that and. We'll get you a booth if you guys want to show up. Yeah, no, definitely, man. Even if it's not me, maybe RC could head out. Um, oh yeah, yeah, RC would be dope, and like you know, it'd be a, it's a good time. Hopefully, we can. I hope you can both make it out. Like we're actually closing the shop. That's how much this event means to us. We're closing the shop for seven days, and seven days I'm gonna lose twenty grand. Shit. But we're closing the shop to do it because it's worth it. The event yeah. is worth it. Being ground level with these guys and helping them grow has immense implications for the future. You know, in terms of motorsports. So, dude, I love it, man. Excited. How many shows do you guys do a year as far as setting up a vendor space? Um, if we do a full year, like I said, we won't use this year as an example because this is a joke. Yeah. Um, 2017 was our last full, full year, I think. And we did, I think we did five, five, four or five time attack events. And then we did probably 10 or 11 road course events and probably another four or five shows of some type, like hot import nights and things like that. Got you. Got you. What did so you find was your, your best event that you went to? Um, the local races are the most profitable by far because most of the folks locally are, there's a lot of widespread different skill levels. So different levels of preparation, so different needs. Whereas global time attack and time attack events, most people have what they need already to be competing at that level. But we are there with fluids and stuff like that. So we have a lot of emergency needs. Or if you fail tech because your helmet's out of spec, we got helmets, you're, you're good to go. So we do help a lot of people there. But it's not for there, for, for time attack, it's more about it's more about the competition for us and then showing people that what we can do with this 30 year old chassis that's it's got 200,000 miles on it, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's an old ass chassis. It's still got all original control arms and ball joints and everything. It's incredible how well they hold up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a couple couple quick NSXs that show up, and you got like Amir, uh, Amir Ventitu. Amir is fast as shit. He's got that uh, K-series power NSX that I think makes five or 600 horsepower. It's, I believe he just put a six-speed six sequential in there finally because he was having a lot of problems with K-series gearboxes doing K-series things, yeah. you know? <laughs> So um, it's really cool to see him. He dominated when they went up uh, up north to uh, to the Ridge Motorsports Park up north. Um, it, it was really cool to see what people are doing with these chassis, and it's awesome to still be involved in motorsports with these chassis. You know, most of the competition these days is not in thirty year old sports cars. It's in like one LE Camaros. There's a lot of guys who show up with ACR Vipers and stuff like that. You know, Porsches and some hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollar cars. And we're sitting over here in our $35,000 junkyard NSX and throwing down laps, you know, yeah. and beating people, you know, getting top tens quite pretty frequently. We used to be on the podium all the time, but it's escalated so far past when we started. So that's what this year is about. This year was off, so we're our plans in the back here are to get us back in that top five range, hopefully. I love it, man. With very little changes, just refining and tweaking. Very cool. Robbie, sounds like you have a lot of great stuff going on over there, brother. Every day is a beautiful day over here, my friend. Dude, I love it, man. Have you always had that uh, that mentality about things? I don't think so. I think definitely cancer scared me awake. <laughs> yeah. That definitely scared me awake pretty good. Um, I had a pretty nasty car accident in 09 that I technically died on site and I was revived in the hospital. So that one, that one also kind of scared some life into me, you know? So... I've been through enough stuff that I, I might have a little different aspect on life than a lot of folks. Um, I generally don't let anything bother me anymore. Like I just don't care, and it's not in a negative way. I just don't care. It doesn't. It doesn't impact me. 
what what impacts like the next five minutes of my life don't dictate the next five years you know yeah what happened five years ago doesn't really have much sense on what's going to go forward you know and just keep pushing keep finding new ways to accomplish what you're trying to do your goals can be across the board they might be a company they might be working at the company you're at maybe you want to have a family maybe you're you know maybe you want to have a race car maybe you want to you know, uh, go work in the soap industry. I don't freaking know, but yeah. you need to find out what it is that makes you happy and just go enjoy it, man. And life's short and you don't have a lot of time, man. So you just got to keep enjoying, you know, get out there and, uh, see the world. If you can travel, I, I stressed so many people, man, get out of the U S yeah. I see people talking about the politics right now and I've lived all over the world and seen politics from all sides, socialism, communism, democracies, republics, and all across the board, dictatorships, and I can tell you, there's no one answer. There's not. You have to. You have to mix this stuff up a little bit. And the more polarized that we get, the harder it is. So I tell people, go, go travel. Go to. And I don't mean go to Mexico or Canada. I mean, yeah. Go to a different. Go to a different continent and go there with an open mind um, and absorb what you can. Go to Hong Kong. Go to. Go to Switzerland. Go to Europe. Any place else in Europe, you know. Um, go to the Middle East. Don't be careful when you go to the Middle East. Yeah. Go someplace, you know, safe. Look at where you're going. Be smart. Don't be stupid. Respect their cultures when you're there. You know, don't go there and be an American. Go there to be to learn who they are and try to fit in a little bit and try to adapt your own mindset to see how they see things. And I don't, I don't mean like I said, it's it's everything's with a grain of salt. Like I love the Middle East. I love going back there, and it's a wonderful place. It's beautiful. There's a lot of great things about culture there. The way they treat women though is not one of them. So that doesn't mean go adapt everything that, you know, learn everything that they learn, you know, take it as your own. Make sure to absorb what's good, you know, and maybe teach someone while you're there, you know, something that you know that's good. I definitely like to see more people in America having an more open mind. And that filters all the way back to cars. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Damn, Robbie. I love it, bro. I'm excited to make my way out there, dude, so we could uh, could have a conversation in person for sure, man. For sure. Love it, dude. Dope, bro. So before we get out of here, uh, where can people find you at? I am found all over, but the easiest way is on our website, which is wdlracing.com or we don't lift.com. We'll both take you to my website. You can obviously give us a phone call, 512-766-5438. Instagram is we don't lift. We don't lift ops. We don't lift mail. All the employees have a we don't lift underscore something here, so you can find us all real quick. Facebook, we don't lift. It's all the same. Um, or you go to a, any Arizona track event, you'll almost find us with any some so some small guarantee. And been threatening to get out to Ibac one of these days with with a car. Keep trying to get down there. Hell yeah! Hopefully this uh, hopefully next year, man. Yeah, we said oh, next year is kind of we're hoping we we're spending a lot of time working on business development this year to make sure that next year when we hit the ground running, hopefully it, we have a little more flexibility and schedule. And like I said, we've been staffing up trying to find people who can cover for us and let us get back to enjoying the this car scene a bit more. That. We all are involved with it nice and deep, and it's been a rough year on it. So Yeah, I think next year is going to be a great year, man. It has to I be. hope so. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if we, I don't know, man. <laughs> don't want to don't curse it yet, but I feel like it could be a hold, hold my beer and watch this year. You know, it could be. Well, just imagine what 2020 was rough. Hold my beer. <laughs> 2020 looks so promising in 2019, man. <laughs> It looked like it was going to be solid, but here we are. One little one little issue has been spiraling out of control, and it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on. It's yeah, It's been tough on everybody, real tough. 
Well, uh, one positive thing is we'll just never forget this year, man. So yeah. <laughs> you always remember no. where you were in, in 2020. In 20 years, people are going to look back and read history books about 2020. Like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> we don't even know, dude. <laughs> we, have, we, we have no explanation for this. It just there happened. Will not, there will, the documentaries will be some of the shortest documentaries ever because no one will know what the fuck happened. Yeah. <laughs> Some shit went down, some things happened, stuff was said, and Oompa Loompa was in anyhow. Anyway. <laughs> Ravi, thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate Thanks, it. All right, Thanks brother. for having us on, man. Thank you.